Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, good evening and welcome from me and my currently mostly white kitty to Gatecast episode 160, covering Stargate Atlantis season 1 episode 4 from our perspective. 38 minutes, because Ryzen's a two-parter. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Stargate Atlantis again, alternating between SG-1. Mm-hmm. Going quite well at the moment, he says, recording this before the actual SGA episode goes out. <laughs> but I predict it's going quite well. That's good. If it isn't, then you probably won't even hear this episode. <laughs> oh, good. I am. Would you get out of the bloody way? Sorry. She hopped up on the desk and started staring in a predatory fashion at the mouse pointer. No. <laughs> Got them a jangly thing, faintly board-shaped, on the end of some elasticated string attached to a stick. Right. So I jammed it under some heavy books and left it hanging off the edge of the air hockey table. And you think that'll work? Or did it work? It seemed to. For now. Discovered when I got to bed at night scratches I don't even remember getting. All right. And little holes in my hand. So they go prowling around the house when you're sleeping then? The kitty with the shiny eyes. There's another photo of both of them on that cabinet where they both have shiny eyes. <laughs> One is blue and one is orange. So maybe it's a Tokra ghoul designation. Could be. Hi, this is Kevin Batchelder. <laughs> and this is the Saturday B movie reel. Do something. Shoot it! Shoot it! <laughs> <laughs> That's about describes it, yeah. Alright, everybody stay here. We look specifically at the Sci-Fi Channel's original movies. You know the ones. The ones that air on Saturday night. Be known throughout the ages as an instant classic. <laughs> we need a bigger gator! A uh, limb cutting yes. and blood squirting from... <laughs> Flying limbs, I called them. it in my notes. What could go wrong? We look on a regular basis at the movies as they come out, and since there have been over 200 of them, we do go back and look at many of them that are now out on DVD. By this point, I had completely forgotten any semblance of seeing if this actually makes any sense from a plot point of view. So come on by, get involved, and have some fun. Check us out at SaturdayBMovieReel.com. Our future depends on it. Make it safe. My furry distraction has hopped off the lap. That's a good thing. Because it can very quickly go from paw gently laid on stomach to claws sunk into flesh, which can lead to unfortunate noises being made on the recording. The potential for distractions would be immense. So we're actually in real time. They could have indeed put a clock in the corner like MASH did. You remember a movie with Johnny Depp? Yes, I remember many movies with Johnny Depp. You're on about the one where was he assassinate somebody in a given amount of time or something. Yeah, and this was way before the show 24 came out. Yeah. Purportedly in real time, but only in real time. Amazingly enough, CPU apparently allow real time to take ad breaks. <laughs> yeah. Quite the same impact when you're watching it either at UK rates or on DVD when the supposed error actually takes 41 minutes and 15 seconds. Just say the word. Open the iris. It's the news and feedback and birthday time from the Gatecast. Today is Marco Shanks' birthday. Many congratulations to the actor who took on the Daniel Jackson role and made it his own. Despite maybe not making an impact in features, he's done alright for himself in the TV movie world and guest starring on many a television show. On the 17th, the jewel in the Hewlett dynasty, Kate, is celebrating her birthday. Kate has made four appearances in Stargate Atlantis and was the highlight of each episode. She's also written for television, including the LA Complex, and worked on Being Erica. 20th of December sees the birthday of Nicole DeBoer, a regular on Deep Space Nine, The Dead Zone and Deep Water Black, and she made a splash as Dr. Alison Porter in the Stargate Atlantis episode, Whispers. On the news front, Brian Jacob Smith, Scott from Stargate Universe, made a guest appearance in the latest Person of Interest entitled Shadowbox. No doubt it will be repeated on CBS, as well as being offered via their own online distribution. Tilt's Revenge is a new addition to the iOS Stargate app, allowing Apple users to engage in hand-to-hand combat between Tilt and a number of enemies intent on capturing the SGC. Christopher Judge's latest TV DVD feature, The Age of Hobbits, has had a restraining order placed on it, the court believing there are idiots who would buy this thinking they were buying the Hobbit movie, despite not even being in stores yet. Well, let's be honest, it's the corporation who are going to make a billion dollars from the Hobbit movie throwing its weight around. Christopher is currently working on Knock'em Dead. More details to come. Once again, Brad from Australia sent us in an audio recording for this episode. Hey guys, Brad from Victoria Australia here. 
with my thoughts on Atlantis Season 1, Episode 4, 38 minutes. First off, it's good to see a gate-related episode back. Not too many of them in Atlantis, and I don't think we've had one since the Season 10 two-parter. It's good to see the Stargate actually being the main focus of the episode in saying that the Beast story would really be Shepard with the Aratus bug stuck to his neck. Daughter Shadow's message in a bottle, one of the early episodes of SG-1, being tweaked that little bit, it's just to make that a little bit different. It also raises the question again of what actually happens if you only halfway into the wormhole, or the event horizon anyway. I suppose that was brought up when Jack done it in Shades of Grey, stuck his hand with the gun through to make sure the gate didn't close while the NID come through. And we see it again later on, used to more extremes when Eli does it in Universe. We'll get to that one a little bit later. Yeah, great episode. Another good strong one of Season 1. As you said during the hide-and-seek episode. There's not too many episodes of Atlantis in Season 1 that you'd skip, and it's um, good storytelling and good to see. Yeah, tell me thoughts on 38 minutes, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you very much, Brad. And he went one further by being a guest on our recording of the Stargate Atlantis episode, Childhoods End. That episode will be released in 2013. We have a little feedback on our Facebook page, again from Brad, on the episode Zero Hour. Great ep guys, here we see Funny Jack as the season goes on. He seems to want to set the base to self-destruct every second episode. And I replied, nuking the base is like tomato sauce. It's always appropriate. Thanks Brad, it would be a much shorter segment without your feedback this week. Right then, let's get back to the episode. Right, shall we... Uh... Have you tweeted? I tweeted about 10 minutes ago. Must have missed it. I didn't actually hit tweet. Oh, I didn't hit tweet, okay. Probably why I didn't see it then. Indeed, that's weird. Clicked into the episode and your voice suddenly went all squiffy. Yeah. There's Heimdall in this but not Zelenka. Zelenka's in this episode? Yeah, not in the little four preview screens, he's not. Oh, you look at that picture? <laughs> no, they're animated. Oh, the menu? Yeah. DVD menu. Okay. I mean, I see Carson. Tori in a remarkably interesting and tight top. And what looked like a cute blonde in a blue top. <laughs> and a very nice space shot, which I'm assuming you're going to enjoy. Always do. Get your money's worth from science fiction. Yes. And the lion is paused. Yeah. Must have seen the lion and got frightened. <laughs> oh, it's Big Daddy, run! Okay, finger hovers over spacebar. Yep, I'm all set. If a three, if a doe, if a hen. Flicky. Fade to black. Fade in on. Pretty ringed planet. Yes, very pretty. And puddle jumper. Smoking a bit. Yeah. How we doing? Okay, Lieutenant, uh, I think I've got to line up pretty close. No such thing as close. You thread the needle or we're dead. Right. It's okay. You can do it. <laughs> this is his first time flying. <laughs> I think we're close enough to dial the yes, gate. Yes, hurry up and get us back. Sometimes the problem when you see people flying spaceships like this, it looks like they're moving their hands too much. On a touch control screen, you wouldn't thought it'd take that much. Mm. Get this damn thing off me. We can't. There's a funny looking thing on his neck. Yes. As soon as we establish a connection, radio back that we've got a medical emergency. There must be something we can do for him. There's an emergency first aid kit behind the pilot seat. Get it. Major, everything you do, try to remove it just makes the pain worse. Now try to be still. He wants painkillers, Taylor. Yeah. Take the painkillers to him. (laughs) Stop badgering the poor sergeants. So, ancient technology does not have a warning light. Mm -hmm. Atlanta's base, this is Ford. Jumper 1 is inbound with a medical emergency. Please respond. Yes. That was identified as Stargate Alarm. It's a good alarm. It's got a kind of a harmonic. What's going on? The reconnaissance team is reporting a medical emergency. I've alerted Dr. Beckett. An Asian technician. With no name. He's just technician. Played by Edmund Kato Wong. Really? Kato? Seriously? Seriously. Well, at least according to IMDb. He's been in John Doe, True Calling, Monk, Masters of Horror. He did five episodes of SGA. Almost there. Flight. Jumper one on final approach. This is weird. What's the nature of Major Shepard's injury? Some sort of funky alien bug attached itself to his neck. He's Couldn't send pictures. No video link up in the puddle uh, jumper. We can't get it off him. And we tried everything. You understand the risk of bringing someone like that back to Atlantis? Yes, ma'am, I do. But we really don't have a choice in the matter. Understood, Lieutenant. Good luck. Yes. 
He told you. I see Tori got hold of some Samantha Carter Super Hold Moose. <laughs> he bears faint resemblance to Major Shepard. It'd be a stunt though, would he? I don't know, because once again, the commentary track didn't really go into details like that. It's all automatic from here. Here we go! Yeah, you're not gonna fit. Pods haven't fully undeployed. Well, they don't know that, do they? The ancients probably all. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no dampers in effect there, was there? No. This is a major difference between this sci-fi show and Battlestar and Firefly. You would not be hearing the puddle. No. Definitely silence and rely on the music just to convey the potential problems. Anyway, 38 minutes. Stargate Atlantis, Season 1, Episode 4. The Gatecast, Episode 160. The story is written by Brad Wright... Directed by Mario Azapardi. Yes, he directed four episodes of Stargate Atlantis, five episodes of Stargate SG-1. He's also acted in the LA Complex and Highlander, directed five episodes of Highlander, five episodes of Total Recall, and also worked on Dinotopia. First broadcast in the US July the 30th, 2004, and in the UK November the 2nd. Once again, I uh, can't find a reliable source for Australian or Canadian air date, so if anybody has one, uh, send it along. I'd love to get hold of it. Joe's with the same episode title. None. <laughs> Some similar and close by, but uh, nothing worth mentioning except for this one. <laughs> PSG, which was 33 minutes. Oh, we're back already. Yes. Stargate Lair. Yeah. Please switch that alarm off. You're getting a headache. Where are they? I don't know. The gate's still active. All indications read they should be through by now. If they're halfway in, shouldn't they be halfway out? Well, no, because it goes straight into the gate buffer before it gets sent down the wormhole. No. Ben Cotton. I do like the little tag on an outfit, tempting you to pull it. <laughs> and this is the CG guy is going, We spent a lot of money on this shot, make it lingering. <laughs> Just in case nobody realises how, you know, how the gate works. Oh, nice. That effect has probably cost a bit of money to map that in. Yeah. It's a drive pod. The, the, the wing things that stick out when we're flying must have failed to retract. It's the only thing it can be. <laughs> Post that or the, or the Stargate track, which I highly doubt. Okay, McKay is lovely in this. I'm going to say that's a brilliant <laughs> guess, but then he kind of ruins it by saying the gate could have shrunk. <laughs> very, very big problem. Oh, dear. Oh, that's... Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Oh, please. <laughs> I was going to say, he slid out very well, but then again, he wasn't being pulled against anything, was he? <laughs> that is the... Yes, it is. That scraping sound. We're stuck. Yes, we are. Apparently, the engine pods failed to retract in time. It's a square peg, a round hole. Can we pull Markham and Sackos out? Our hands and arms would dematerialize as soon as we cross the advent horizon. It's uh, nowhere to reach for them. Brilliant deduction, Rainbow. How much? I'm assuming he, even though he doesn't look it, Mr. Son Franks is either of Indian extraction or his parents were serious hippies. I believe he's Native American, although he was born in Canada. Mm. Although there were Native North Americans in Canada as well. Say again? Native North Americans in Canada as well. Jumper One is lodged in the Stargate. Taylor, Dr. McKay and myself are in the rear compartment with the Major. He's in bad shape. Yeah, I can understand why she wants to repeat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're in the buffer. Well, we can just get Sookie to use our telepathic powers, you know? It was one of the engine pods, but there's no way to be sure. It is the only viable possibility. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You won't be able to access the flight controls. Yes, Elizabeth, it's an extremely intriguing conundrum and one that I would love to discuss with you in detail until the Stargate shuts down and this ship is cut. Rodney, calm down. Point, of course. Rodney, if I'm going to be any help to you at all, I need to catch up. Panic. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. You've got to stop him yeah. quick. He'll just go on and on, working himself up into a dizzy. Mm. We couldn't ID the Wraith base of operations from space like we did the last time we were there. So, we went to the same landing coordinates as before to get a closer look. Ah, bit of flashback. Uh, more space shots. Yeah, this was obviously an error. You must love this episode, all these outside shots. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? If you're going to have a science fiction show, at least have planets and spaceships, yeah. Science fiction-y stuff. That's why I've actually abandoned Dodger in favour of several back issues of Analog. Yes, I've abandoned the Ratchet book. <laughs> it's gone. What? I thought you said it was in a mountainside. It was. We were inside it. 
the Borg have been here? Well, I would say the Borg, but that looks like something that they'd use to build pyramid ship. In fact, it could well be the same bloody site. <laughs> it's a hole in the ground. That's a, no, that's not just a hole in the ground. That's a bloody big hole in the ground. Yes, that's Arizona crater size, isn't it? Hmm. So what's this part? Oh, it's more of a hole than a mountain, really. Could it have been destroyed? This is definitely not a blast crater. No. Looks like they just picked up and left. Is a ship? I don't know, sir. The mountainside was covered in trees. Yeah, but the wraith hibernate for centuries, right? So a lot of trees could have overgrown in that time. Then we were held prisoner inside one of the great ships I showed you in the drawings. They've left to begin culling worlds. But they've seen a hive ship with the trees and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. Is this Taylor's home world? Is that what they're implying? Mm. No, of course not, because it's a gate in orbit, isn't it? Mm. So they must have found this world on a reconnaissance mission, then returned. Oh, I like the trees. Yeah, there's probably ADs there with bit string. <laughs> yeah. We meant begin at the beginning. This is intel she needs to know. And we have less than 38 minutes. Hold on, why 38 minutes? Because that's the maximum amount of time a Stargate can remain open in non-relativistic conditions. It's one of the more immutable laws of wormhole physics, and oh my, look at the time, it's now more like 35 minutes. Are we all caught up? I get it. What do you need? <laughs> no. She is so going to smack you when you get back. Kavanaugh, Groden, and Simpson in a room. See what they come up with. That's good. And the check, the check. Uh, the check whose name I can never remember. Dr. Zelenka? That's him. Zelenka. He's Czech. I never know is the fact that he called him Czech. Didn't you? No. I assumed he was Russian. No. Where's my patient? There's been a problem. Conference room. Oh, no. Keep a channel open with him at all times. And turn that damn alarm off. Oh, that looks nicely organic. Yes. It's just an air bladder that Joe Flanagan's probably squeezing from off screen. Squeeze it gently, Joe. <laughs> like I say, the bug model or prosthetic, if you want to call it that, actually strapped to his neck so much so that he couldn't really move off the back plate of the puddle jumper. Pretty uncomfortable for the actor himself, although in the commentary, Rachel was saying how tight it was to film in the first season puddle jumpers. They built them a bit bigger for the second season so they could film inside more comfortably. She came out with a great quote. It was dark, hot, and they were on top of each other. <laughs> yes. Paul McGillian, who were doing the commentary with her, expressed grave disappointment that he wasn't with them. <laughs> what is that? We're stuck, sir. For what? In the gate. You mean my day just got worse? Interesting. The subtitle looked blue there. We're going with the assumption it was uh, one or both of the drive pods. I don't know whether it was mechanical failure or... It was damage as we tried to take off. Okay, good hand weapons. Mm. They can actually hit a puddle jumper and hurt it. Get some altitude! I'm trying, sir! Shields always come in handy, I've always thought. Yeah, at least blow. And inertial dampers as well. Why are they being bounced around like that? Cockpit on the left. The uh, cockpit is regrettably demolecularized at the moment, but uh, how about somewhere back here? Demolecularized. <laughs> no, no, I didn't think so. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'll be foot and half over there taking some readings. Feel free to talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I love McKay in this episode. Although I like McKay anyway, which is going to be interesting when we actually get hell on that. There he's in the puddle jumper. Oh yeah, wet Amanda tapping. I look forward to it. And look who we have here. All right, you've all been briefed. We have less than half an hour. Where's Dr. Zelenka? He's working up a simulation of Puddle Jumper 2. He went straight there. That's good. If there was time, it would be. Let's not admit defeat just yet, Doctor. There's six people on that ship. I'm just the medical doctor here, so forgive me if this is a stupid question. If they just stepped through the event horizon, wouldn't they come through the front part of the ship when the gate shuts down? The front half will rematerialize on this side. The Stargate transmits matter in discrete units. The front half of the ship cannot rematerialize until the whole ship has crossed into the event horizon. Yes, probably figuring that there's a lot of viewers, maybe you are new to this franchise, watching Atlantis, who don't realise how the gate works. Possibly. <laughs> he says the gate only sends things through in one piece. Right, sorry. Unfortunately, the outgoing Stargate won't transmit the matter stream until the demilitarization is complete. When it shuts down, the entire forward section, along with the men inside, will cease to exist. And what about the others? The ship will be severed instantaneously along the event horizon. He sounds... This is the intelligent-sounding English person, because he sounds posh, which automatically means people assume he's bright. <laughs> what if they close the bulkhead door? The rear portion of the ship would remain pressurized, become a sort of lifeboat. It would leak atmosphere like a sieve. We could buy enough time to send a second jumper. And do what? Figure it out. Contact jumper one and make the recommendation. Well, you imagine everybody in this expedition that's not military is very intelligent. There's no... Uh, I don't know, maybe Dr. Felker came along. 
<laughs> did not take him. He may have applied. 29 minutes. Bird vacuum. I have a question. What's soft vacuum? I'm not sure. What are you doing? Sorry. Here. Jumbo One, this is Atlantis. Still here? We recommend closing the bulkhead door. Oh, good thinking. What else? We're still working on the problem. We'll get back to you. Atlantis base out. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Come again. Now, this whole scene is being filmed using the actual torchlight that they're carrying. And the HD cameras? Yes, Alan. We're not directly exposed to space. <laughs> it also saves the uh, episode an awful lot of money. Yep. It's a personal thing. The air's going to get thin in here. You really do have to calm down. Oh, wait, you see how thin it gets in 27 minutes. Okay. Vacuum! That's thin! Knock it off. Oh, I apologize for being the only person who truly comprehends how screwed we are! Don't talk to me about screwed. The actors had to aim the torches at each other's faces. I don't know if Rachel was joking, but she said they actually got a bump in pay because they were technically doing the work of the DP. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because acting is such a tough profession. There's plenty of time to solve this thing, but you got to stop using your mouth and start using your brain. There's got to be a manual way. The ancients don't build things that don't have backups or safety systems built in. Well, they might have, you know, before they became the ancient when they were still ancient. Well, not quite as ancient. Hmm. Are we talking the million years between the launch of Destiny and the launch of Atlantis? Or not? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Keep working, that's it. Good lad. You seem stronger. No, it's just the pain's not so bad now. That's good. No, it isn't. Can't feel my legs. Hands and arms are numb. Can barely move them. Feelings creeping up. Look at Lieutenant. What I'm trying to say is if you don't get this damn thing off me, I have even less time than you do. Yes, optical secretary. They can't dial out, though. <laughs> Speaks check. Yes, I <laughs> like it. <laughs> Standing on the box. Dr. Zelenka. Apologies for not attending your briefing, Dr. Weir. There was no time. I don't want to slow you down, but I need to know what you're working on so I can communicate it to the team on Jumper 1. We are attempting to retract the um, uh, the drive pod back into the fuselage from inside the rear compartment. Anything yet? Well, there's much redundancy in ancient technology, making it dangerous for them to experiment in this way. So they might accidentally open the rear hatch or shut life support off entirely? Yes, 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 which is why we are attempting to isolate the correct control pathway. Understood. What could I do to help? Stop talking, please. Radek Zelenka? He ended up being in 54 episodes of Stargate Atlantis, plus a single episode of Stargate SG-1. Played by David Nichol, born in the Czech Republic back in 1967. He's been in Continuum, Human Target, Fringe, Sanctuary, Sight, Eureka, and a trio of classic creature features, The Beast of Bottomless Lake, Pterodactyl, Pterodactyl, and Chupacabra vs. the Alamo, which is due out this year, or next year. Here we go. Ah, another flashback. Yes. <laughs> That's hardly a... Well, I'm feeling it'll probably hurt more. Mm. It's not breathing in this flashback. I think we did just hurt you more. Oh, oh, dear me. That's going to go through his shoulder. That deafened him, let alone hotels. Like a wraith. You had to say that. My father often told stories of a creature such as this. I always thought he was just trying to keep the children from straying far from our camp. Ah, exposition. Great. Yes. You tell you how to kill it? And you never asked him. Mm. Sure we can. Well, I could use a second opinion. Get Beckett on the radio. Person. Shouldn't they be minimising the amount? I suppose they're not really concerned about running out of air, are they? Oh, no, because... Not now. You know, the power systems are all working, so uh, no problem about that. Major Shepard's conscious, but the creature's still latched onto him. How do you feel about house calls, Doc? <sighs> what if I could, Major Shepard? Well, you have to settle for long distance. I'm told you have something of a Klingon. Was that a deliberate Star Trek reference? It must have been. It's funny. <laughs> it's like the ugliest damn tick you've ever seen. How did it attach itself? That's a big tick. Well, we were on our way back to the jumper. Violently, by the looks on it. With the wraith shooting at us. Oh, that's it. Gives your thighs a workout. Don't tell Markham to get ready for takeoff. I'll cover you. What about you? I'll be there in a minute. Go! Yeah, this is why you have subordinates. You have them. Guard the approach, you know? You go take off. You're better flying this thing. Oh, here they come. That's it. Oh. 
Hitting something on full, even semi-automatic, at that kind of distance is virtually impossible. You don't know how far distance it was between them. Yeah, there's more than three of them. <laughs> Shocker, isn't it? Major, we're cut off from the jumper. Negative. If you want it your three o'clock, I drew the other two this way. They're all around us. Where'd they come from? Lieutenant, you know how they can make you see things that aren't there? The path in front of you is clear. Now move! The hide ship left some people behind. Just on the off chance, they probably spotted you last time. They're not people. They're drones. Oh, oh he went right into the web. It's about two feet in length, including the tail. That's wrapped down under his armpit. It's got two sharp spiny things in his neck and the major's carotid artery. I'll need more than that, son. Spiny thing. Four legs, I guess you'd call them that. They're wrapped around the major's throat. Uh, I can't see any eyes. Once again, you've got radio communication. I think you got a device that can take a picture, transmit it through a radio signal. Mm. Well, it first felt like a knife in the eye. Since then, I've lost all the feelings in my extremities. Mm. A knife in the eye? Mm. So it incapacitates first with pain and paralysis. I need to be able to move around to help McKay with the mechanical problem. Mm. What are you going to do? Mm. Just hold something for him. Hold the torch while he tries to fix it. Fix Ocaterry, that's a light source in itself. Mm. I even tried to shoot it off. Nine mil, point blank. Not much worse I can do without killing the major along with it. Yes, I'm not allowed to kill my uh, superior. Not without orders. Yeah. Okay, Shepard did it in the uh, season opener. Not the point. Hmm. By sapping life from Major Shepard, just as a wraith would. I suppose the wraith must have evolved from something. It's probably some sort of uh, prehistoric cousin. Listen, Doc, the major's getting worse. we got to do something right now. You said the creature had that underside of exposed soft tissue like a leech. Yeah, I tried to cut into it. I think practically strangled him to death. Son, you don't cut leeches off, you pour salt on them. I thought you just touched them with something hot. You activate the field, they'll die. It, we can always open it again if they fix the problem. Well, they may not have time. And there we have Simpson, played by Fiona Hogan. She's been in The Tooth Fairy, Aliens in America, and iRobot. Got a very nice chest. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder on that topic. Am I watching the show Girls for the script or for the fact that you've got a lot of 20-something attractive women who get naked for a bit? I wouldn't care to speculate. Rule out a catastrophic power feedback in the drive manifold. Without the techno battle, please. Dr. Kavanaugh was pointing out that there's a very slim chance that with the cockpit controls interrupted and the pod damaged, the main drive could overload. She means to say explode. Especially if McKay starts nosing around inside the control conduits to attract the drive pod manually. And he will. I know I would. And here we have the most hated yeah. man in Stargate Atlantis, which is quite remarkable considering he was only in six episodes. Really? Yes, I was surprised. I thought he'd been in more. Dr. Kavanaugh, played by Ben Cotton, a Canadian actor born in 1975. He's been in Battlestar Galactica, Blood and Chrome, which you may have seen just recently. Also The Arrow, Fringe, Alcatraz, Hellcats. Battlestar Galactica Razor, the 4400, they wrote him a really nasty character. Not nasty as vindictive, just nasty as in selfish, arrogant, self-opinionated, sleazy, smarmy. <laughs> now please, worry a little bit more about their lives and less about your own ass. Ooh, now that's a way to cut them dead, isn't it? <laughs> I listened to all that tirades. And now I'm just going to ignore you and ask your subordinate because you are nothing to me. To be honest, he was right what he said. He may not have said it in the right manner, but you'd have thought as a base commander that she would have uh, responded a bit more mature. when she was called in to help. Well, then you are aware that we are very short on time. I am. Oh, here we go. The tea ceremony. They're not dead yet. Now you tell him. Okay. You do not know this, but among our people, there is a ritual prayer that is said when one knows that death is upon them. We don't know that it is. I'm told it is all but inevitable. But it's not important. What is important is that Taylor be allowed to prepare for death. Knowing the time and place of one's end is a it's a very rare thing among our people. It is a simple right that would not take more than a few moments. Pauline? To... Given previous characters you've played that have been quite instrumental in knowing the time and place of people's end. <laughs> the time and place of my end is oh god, is Chris Hamdel. <laughs> Why can't he have the tea ceremony in his own quarters? Why? Bother the base commander. In fact, Taylor doesn't seem too concerned about sitting down and having ritual beverage. Mm. You perceive death a certain way. I accept that. In fact, I respect that. But we do not prepare for death. We do everything we can to stave it off. That is who we are. I am not asking you to suspend your efforts. No. You want me to tell everyone on that ship that they should expect to die? I will not send them that message. 
And if you feel that that violates Taylor's personal rights, I apologize. I truly do. She's upset. He's being Sheldon. He's offering a hot beverage. When your friends are upset, you offer them a hot beverage. Now, I know you don't get the reference, but some of the listeners will. Okay. We're doing the shot with... That's the exact same shot in reverse. You think? Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. We've got everything from the Jumper Manifest already laid out here. What's your personal inventory? Okay, from the vest, we got a Swiss Army knife. So this is, it's not actually specified as such, but it's a homage to uh, Apollo 13. What can we build out of all the bits and bobs we've got on board? What? What is Harrison doing? Trying to figure out something that the bug will react to, that will drive it off. How strong is the link to uh, Apollo 13 here? Well, you've seen the movie, haven't you? And, of course, the real-life event where they Hmm. took all the bits on board the... I wonder if it's a conscious reference, and was it possibly an inspiration for the story? I doubt it was an inspiration, but that scene looked very similar. Dr. Weir... Kavanaugh, I hope you've got something to tell me. Yes, I do. What the hell was that? Excuse me? I happily left the SGC because I had had it up to here with the military running things, and you just busted me like a private. <laughs> See what I mean about writing this character? Yeah. You're not supposed to like this guy. Who in the right mind would bitch about his position when yeah. his friends and... Uh, of course, it doesn't help that he's got a ponytail. No, and he looks like a pretentious hosser. Not a manly ponytail either. No, it's a damn jolly style ponytail. He spent an hour of the morning putting that in. And we are cut off from Earth, which makes Atlantis almost like a colony, doesn't it? I suppose. Well, I'm governor of that colony. No, that's all very well and good. Do you have a problem with that? You're missing my point. No, you're missing mine. If you waste one more minute, which could be used to help the people trapped on that ship because of your ego, I promise you I will dial the coordinates of a very lonely planet where you can be as self-important as you want to (laughs) be. He still hasn't... I don't think he accepts, A, a woman in command. No, that is a... Did they take all the more annoying aspects of McKay and write them into Kavanaugh? Probably, yes. We'll talk about this later. Never again. Go. Go. Like I say, use respect to Bill Cotton and the writers of Kavanaugh for creating such a despicable piece of work. I like Zelenka. Everybody likes Zelenka, especially when he (laughs) he drops into his native language. (laughs) Dr. Zelenka, the control room. I think I have something. At this point, you know, we haven't... Who's the cute redhead behind him? I don't know who the cute redhead behind him is. Jumper One, this is Weir. Dr. Zelenka's come up with something. Zelenka, why can I never remember that name? It's positively identified the control systems in the port side of the jumper. They retract the drive plug. I'm relaying the schematics to your datapad. Oh, so they can transmit schematics, but not video. So yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah. Pathways to the engine pod, which means that's increasing my chances of fixing this from one in a million to one in a thousand. But uh, yeah, that still means I'm a genius when I do it. It's something, Elizabeth. Yes. We'll only have seven to nine seconds to warn you if I accidentally trigger a catastrophic overload. So nine seconds. I tell you to raise the shield. Don't hesitate. <laughs> do it. Considering what he's gonna do in a second season, I doesn't do. Yes, <laughs> that's nothing. Blowing <laughs> up Atlantis, small potatoes. Consider the possibility that, that we can mix them. Starting with iodine. Well, let's try each one individually first. Um. The, I, I love these subtitles. That's called squelchy buzzing. Okay, I'll go with that. Didn't react. Might have even enjoyed it. Scratch iodine. What else have you got there? It's iodine. Yes, what do you got there? Any food? I'm kidding. I have less than 20 minutes to save our lives, and I am teetering on the brink of a hypoglycemic reaction, so... <laughs> Give him the chocolate bar. Yeah. Why doesn't McKay always have a chocolate bar? I would have thought after the last episode, he'd always carry a chocolate bar. <laughs> Just in case. Seriously, though, 20-odd minutes, and he could have his chocolate bar. Mm. Try alcohol now. Place a few drops in the soft tissue to see how it reacts. Yes, let me have a drink first. What type of alcohol, sir? What's the good of that? I seriously doubt it matters. Who knows? Perhaps in the bloodstream, the bug wouldn't like it. Or Scotty wasn't, sir. Okay, get the scotch out, the good stuff. No reaction to alcohol. It did react. Right, what next? Did the doctor not say to pour salt on the creature? I thought it was a metaphor. But it doesn't matter, just try everything. (laughs) Don't talk with your mouthful. Yes, okay. Didn't your mother teach you anything? 
That's not a lot of salt, is it? No, no reaction. You'd think it'd be in tablet form as well. you think the iodine would be in tablet form. Nope, this, this isn't going well. Quick, who's got a can of cola? That stuff will corrode anything, including alien bugs. Water. Give me water. Hmm. Can I be Brian or it's water? Now what's this Joe once? This guy got stung by a jellyfish. Ooh. Oh, ooh. it doesn't like that. <laughs> Quick, dry it off. <laughs> Sir. Sir, are you all right? Sir, Major. Are you all right? He's screaming. So, no, probably not. Oh, crap. What's happening? I don't know about you, but I think we should take cover because it looks like he's going to blow. Oof. Ouch, Trust where did he get that sort of strength? It's more unconscious now. I don't know, it. it upset McKay. He's doing mm. something. <laughs> You've got to love McKay. He's got that expression on his face outside there. He needs to go to the loo or he's had a brilliant idea or he's just plain mystified. No, boards away. He reacted to either the salt or the water. What a combination of both. Yes. Did it lose its hold on Major Shepard? Negative. If anything, I dug in more. <laughs> no, hence the scream. I'll do that again. Most likely a primitive defensive reflex of salt water. We moved. When you fell, I must have crossed one of the circuits. I think the engine fired for a microsecond, but it stopped. Oh, which one? Oh, no. What? <laughs> it's coming under the door, like the fog. Mm. What? Oh, yeah, the bulkhead, of course. So much for plan A. What? Mm. Oopsie. When the Stargate closes now, every molecule of air in this compartment is going to rush out through there. We slid in further. Oh, dear. It's just a question of just another way to die. Yes. 15 minutes. We don't have 15 minutes. I'm making it 13. Ford, what can you tell me? The puddle jumper has shifted slightly. The rear compartment has now breached the event horizon. Dr. McKay. Dr. McKay. <laughs> oh, I thought he was reporting, not talking to him. <laughs> He's still hopeful he can retract the drive pod in time. He doesn't look yeah. it. No, he doesn't, does he? That's the subordinate's report to a sceptical commander. Mm. Understood. Put on a brave face. We haven't come up with anything yet, but there's still time. I thought something could come up with something. How is Major Shepard? I'm still here. Hang in there, Major. <laughs> what else is he going to do? Seriously. That's what I liked about BSG. Radio transmissions across space were actually crackly. That's just because the Galactica are an old ship. No, it's because there's interference and radiation and stuff. It's going to interfere with the bloody radio signal. If I was, he wouldn't have let me go. Who wouldn't have let you go? Ah, more to the story. I am Drone B. And of course, the Wraith knows exactly what this bug is. Mm-hmm. But we haven't been given that title yet, so let's leave it until it's revealed. I didn't give the name of the bug. It's a bug. There's a specific name for it. Yeah, even if I said it, it wouldn't mean anything. That's true. It's good that the the Wraith actually walks away, almost sniggering. I guess he just saw me as good as dead because he just walked away. When the Wraith decides not so, to feed on you or kill you, then you know you're in trouble. Save your strength, John. You can tell me in person. This is important. I'm listening. We should send him through the event horizon. If Dr. McKay figures it out in time, we can fix the major up on the other side. If he doesn't, we're all dead anyway. No pressure? Major Shepard won't effectively be in suspended animation for the entire time. We can't risk that. Why not? It's a creature reacted that violently to a few drops of water. Who knows how it would react to Stargate travel? <laughs> Why would it react any differently than any other living thing? Don't you recall early... I mean, in Children of the Gods, there was a little uh, film of frost on people when they came through. Yeah, that conveniently got put to one side. Yes. And all the vibrations sold by uh, dampness being built into the system. Mm. That's it. Mm. Kill him. <laughs> you may be onto something, Major. No, you said that might kill him. That's the idea. I, I don't understand <laughs> All right. Mm. You said this creature was like a wraith. Yes. Then how do you think it would respond if, God forbid, Major Shepard were to die right now then? 
It would stop feeding. Exactly, just as a wraith would. How is that an idea? We're suggesting that we fool the creature into thinking its prey's dead by stopping the Major's heart. If I'm right, it should let him go. When the thing lets go, we give him another jolt. You can give it a try. If it doesn't work, send him to the event horizon. He'll keep there as good as the deep face. <laughs> deep free. A great alternative, isn't it? Yeah, that was. <laughs> John, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, John. Tough question. What other option has he got? Be prepared for the cold blue in the jumper bay. Lieutenant Ford, do you know how to do this? Yes, sir. Cut his shirt off. What? Cut his shirt off. He's dying by inches, literally, as the as the event horizon suddenly yeah. gets closer. Charging two hundred. Oh, that's it. Rip the shirt open. Ain't surprisingly hairy. Move his chain to the side. Place the lubrication right on the paddles. That's not gonna work. Yes, it will. This is television. Ready to go. Once the bug falls off, I'm gonna have to kill it. I'm wait for it to charge up again. I'm gonna give him another jolt. Okay. We can't restart his heart on the first try. I'm gonna need that bulkhead door open again. Done. Yes, we've heard that before. <laughs> Good job they have moved the dog tags out of the way. Mm. It's just as likely the creature will react to the electrical charge mm. and just rip his neck open. Possibly. Or rip his head off. You know? Yeah. Like a Pez thing, you know? Boink. Do it! On three. One. Be careful with that pelvic mm. thrust. No pulse! Just a jump to the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fortunate when she ripped his shirt open, you didn't find a bath underneath. It won't come off! Settle. It may take a moment. You didn't say that beforehand. It may take a moment. As he rushes <laughs> towards brain death, it may take a moment. You know, Carson, you're remarkably calm about losing this particular patient. Wait for it. Wait for it. There we go. Oh, that looks nasty. <laughs> Throw it towards McKay. Okay, it seems to be dead. I like it. Million-year-old ancients, but it looks like they've got ditched leather seats. Mm. Also, no adrenaline that you can shove right into the heart. Mm. Hit him again. Nothing. Nothing. Let's get him through. Need I go on about the common misconceptions on the defibrillators? No, I think we've covered it in previous SG-1 episodes. That's fair enough. (laughs) One of the many things that you watch on television which you think is true, which turns out not to be. I've had it discussed by a forensic pathologist with me. The creature has successfully been removed from Major Shepard, but we are unable to revive him. Both he and Taylor are now on the other side of the event horizon. Thank you, Lieutenant. Rodney, you have seven minutes. Seven minutes. Mm. See, that's the thing. When they said they'd 15 minutes, I had 13 minutes. Now they're saying they're seven, and I have seven. They've manipulated the timeline a bit, haven't they? Yes. <laughs> or else... There was an outbreak. The final cut. Yeah, yeah, outbreak is more likely. I mean, the jumper must be well insulated, because mm-hmm. the colonel's been lying against the back bulkhead for the whole of the episode. True. I'm only halfway through all the possible circuit pathways, and time's almost up. We're never going to make it. Just keep at it. There's still time. You should consider stepping into the event horizon. I'm serious. I'll keep trying until the end, but given your choices, that's a far better way to go. Leave you here alone with that thing wrapped up in my jacket. You did check to make sure it was dead, right? It's dead. Okay, because explosive decompression and death by suffocation with that thing on my face is possibly the worm! (laughs) (laughs) I had to double check it because, as you've known, Wraith don't always die when they get shot. They've got plenty of a health reserve. Rodney, we're down to two minutes. I know the time. I've still got over two dozen circuits I haven't tried. Two minutes? Crikey. Don't be so methodical. Just pick one at random. If I do that, I run the risk of attempting to activate the same circuit twice. Just try. I'm telling you, there's no way I can... I've done it. I'm a genius. Although he doesn't sound quite healthy. Oh, there we go. I think you did it. I think I did it. Now you do the explosive decompression. Yes, I saw this once in Star Trek. (laughs) Elizabeth, I think the engine pods are tracking. Great. And why aren't we moving forward? Well, there's no no energy, no drive, is Mm. there? Normally, you know, when they pull in the drive pods, they've already got the momentum. Yeah, that's true. Shown up! Have they been sitting there all along on the steps? Health and safety hazard. She's right, why aren't we moving? It's inertia. The drive shut down before we went through the Stargate, we've shed all our forward momentum. <laughs> that's, that's not gonna work. You're wasting your time. For every action, there is equal and opposite reaction. Then what are we gonna do? 
think about it. Yes, Rodney. Come on, you're a genius. One minute. You're not helping. <laughs> Wait. The rear hatch. He has the idea that saves them. Blow the rear hatch. It should give you enough thrust to make it through. I can do it. But the only mechanism to blow the hatch is back here. That cannot be right. Or oh, our hero. Although, I've got more faith on... McKay? Well, no, if McKay had to hold on for dear life, I'm not quite sure he'd do it. I'm gonna make sure to hold on, let's go! 30 seconds. Mm. There isn't much to hold on to. There's a couple of handles. Yeah, but he's not gripping it very tightly. No, he isn't, is And, hold up! Bleeping. That doesn't look very realistic at all, does it? Whoa, there we go. Whee! There goes the bug. There goes the ship. Apparently anti-grav still works. And it sounds like the engines are running. Hmm. Well, that's probably the anti-grav. Hmm. You did not prepare for death. What was that for? That's basically told him, your beliefs are a load of nonsense. Yep. Everything's all right, and I didn't do what you wanted to. So that's kind of condescending, really. Not, oh, look at us. They've got environment suits on, but no mm. helmets, so... Well, they weren't sure what was going to happen. Changed inside of a minute, because until the last minute, they didn't even know they were going to come through the gate. Hey, Stackhouse is back, and Markham. Yeah, doesn't look like Jason. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm really sorry if you are you, you ignore it. It's alive. Nearly alive. Kick him again. Hmm. Yeah, you've stopped his heart. You've done permanent damage to the muscle. And you don't know what damage the bug has done. Mm -hmm. What sort of enzymes it's pumped into him or anything like that. Well done, Rodney. We'll see. And he's going to be okay. Eventually. In time for the next episode, he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But he's going to be okay. Harrison, my faith in your abilities as a doctor is diminishing rapidly. <laughs> Getting stronger. Well, it shouldn't really come as a shock to anyone, but the star of the show and lead character has survived a near-death experience, which is one of the pitfalls of serialised television programming. You want the audience to tune in to see the adventures of a core group of characters, but that limits the ability to kill them off for dramatic effect, unless, of course, the series is coming to an end. It would have been interesting to get rid of Shepard this early, but no natural successor, unlike the premiere with Colonel Sumner, and no way to recruit new personnel without magically making them appear as if they were there all along. Rachel did point out that Joe had fantastic hair. <laughs> Look at him. Hello. <laughs> uh. Yes, wounded hero here. He looks like a child. Sitting on that bed, he actually looked like a small 10-year-old boy. Maybe it was just a baseball cap and the angle that was shot from, but he looked smaller than Taylor. Who says she was delighted to never had to wear that outfit again. <laughs> really? She didn't like that outfit? Looks a bit hippie. It's certainly not her own attire. Mm. Somebody on base is missing a very floral-looking shirt. <laughs> what were you going to say? When? Uh, before, when you thought, you know. Oh, that. I didn't want you to say at the time, but now I'm curious. I was going to say, um... Why is he wearing a baseball cap? Why is she wearing a jacket? Take care of each other. Yeah, right. Sure. That's nice. And, uh, indeed we did? Yes, you did. Thank you. Again. You're welcome. Good night. Mm. That's it. Smug McKay's back. Okay, Governor, you can go back to being <laughs> You weren't really going to say that, were you? I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't think so. Yes, deny, deny, deny. A little bit of chemistry with Elizabeth, a little bit of chemistry with Taylor. A lot of chemistry with the Norse. Yeah. Norse, I can't get up. I need a bed bath. <laughs> Thank you for SDI Media Group for the subtitles. And that was 38 minutes in roughly 38 minutes from the time the gate opened to the time the gate closed. Hmm. It may be sacrilege, but, you know, I really think I like this music better than the one in Stargate, SG-1. We are evolving as the podcast enters this year. Yes, yeah, since it started. Granted, it didn't do many episodes in the first year. <laughs> <laughs> it was quality, not quantity. Yeah. We probably had more downloads of the first episode than the following. <laughs> the new WordPress install doesn't seem to track the downloads in the same way. Oh, yeah, because uh, they're monitored via Blueberry. Oh, okay. I'll check after. <laughs> Seriously, don't. <laughs> 
Okay, that was 38 minutes. Pretty decent episode. It's an important episode, even though we don't really figure that out for, well, perhaps for over a season. Mm. But a lot of what we learnt in this episode does come back and prove pivotal in the next couple of years. Now, at this stage, they don't know the whole story. And this book does become very important. Indeed. Rachel Luttrell, on the planet, that was the first time she actually fired a real gun. Quite remarkable. But then again, is she American or Canadian? American. Yeah, <laughs> American. Probably end up being something totally... Yeah, I'm going to say she's going to be something totally different. Born in Tanzania. Of course. <laughs> Yes, the actual gunfight on the planet, that was the first time Rachel actually fired a weapon. Did a pretty good job. Made it look realistic, that's all you can ask for. Come try ya! If you want to send us some feedback about any of the current episodes, or any from previous and future seasons, then feel free. We want to hear from you about anything to do with Stargate. Our email address is thegatecast at gmail.com and our website, gatecast.co.uk. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher and Google Plus by searching Gatecast. And on Twitter, we are under The Gatecast, which is one word. Next week's episode is something a little different. We recorded a MacGyver commentary for the fifth season episode, Live and Learn. An episode of MacGyver which, along with Richard Dean Anderson, also features Christopher Judge as a guest star. Chris wasn't the main focus, but he had enough lines and interacted with RDA on a couple of occasions, so I thought it was a decent episode to cover. As part of the Phoenix Foundation programme to lower the dropout rate, MacGyver tries to inspire a promising but unmotivated high school student, despite the negative efforts of a cynical teacher and the boy's sceptical father. Okay, maybe not the most dramatic MacGyver episode ever, but there's plenty of uh, MacGyverisms and bad guys to go round. The main reason we are releasing what amounts to a couple of specials is that, well, everyone has other things to do over the holidays. So why not offer a few episodes that don't rely on the continuous rewatch of Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis? We hope you enjoy them. That was 38 Minutes. Next week it's MacGyver, so join us for the fun, that is The Mullet. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, folks. And goodbye from Kitty Cat. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Mm-hmm.